What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I'm Jason Chaffetz. I'm Katie Pavlich. I'm Steve Ducey. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022. I'm John Saucier. 27 days later, and this Russian invasion of Ukraine continues. Is that longer or shorter than you thought it would last? Early on in this conflict, many experts predicted this would be a swift Russian victory, but Ukraine has proven to be strong in the resolve to maintain freedom. Ukraine is doing such a good job against a premier army using just these close-in weapons. It's incredibly brave, incredibly bold, and it means they have some really good intelligence and surveillance and reconnaissance and that home field advantage of fighting for their own cities. This is the Fox News Rundown. War on Ukraine. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This has been a rather bloody, rather long, and rather clunky Russian invasion of Ukraine. And the reality is, millions of people's lives have been interrupted. The predictions Russia would easily march through Ukraine have proven to be wrong. Day 27, and Russia has not achieved any of their objectives. We're speaking today with Fox News contributor Dr. Rebecca Grant, an expert on national security and military affairs. She's been following all of this very closely. And Ukraine has won world support. They've won a couple of small, important engagements, including a little battle outside Kiev today. And I think Ukraine can win as long as we keep the arms supplies coming into them. Now, by arms supplies, you're talking about anti-tank weaponry, anti-aircraft weaponry that the United States and other NATO powers have supplied. Although the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, he's repeatedly calling for a no-fly zone to be set up. Do you really think the Ukrainians even need that right now? Because so far, Russia has not been able to maintain any sort of air superiority over Ukraine. On the no-fly zone, it's frustrating because two or three weeks ago, a no-fly zone would have put a lid on this whole war and stopped Russian maneuver. I can understand why Zelensky wanted the clear skies over Ukraine. It also would have cut down on the Russian Air Force's ability to bomb the cities. You know, at this point, the way the battle is unfolding, we've decided to give Ukraine weapons to fight up close. They're good weapons, but they all require Ukraine's forces to get real close to the Russians. The Javelin anti-tank missile, it's super, but it's got about a two-mile range. Similarly, the Stingers, which are used for air defense, great weapon. But again, you have to really see that helicopter or aircraft or cruise missile coming through to be able to use the Stinger. What's amazing to me is that Ukraine is doing such a good job against a premier army using just these close-in weapons. It's incredibly brave, incredibly bold, and it means they have some really good intelligence and surveillance and reconnaissance and that home field advantage of fighting for their own cities. 
Yeah, indeed. The home field advantage is a huge thing. One question really that's been on my mind during this conflict, though, regarding the Western weapons that have been shipped into Ukraine, your analysis, do you think that Russia would have been able to topple Ukraine more quickly if none of those weapons had ever been sent in? Oh, no question. And it goes back to the training that the U.S. and Britain and Canada and other NATO allies provided to Ukraine starting back in 2014 and 2015. And then the lethal weapons like the Javelin that were provided starting under the Trump administration and Biden continued that. So with those weapons and that training, Ukraine has really been able to pick off, you know, the lead tank in the Russian column. They've been able to hit supply vehicles, you know, hidden out in the forest. And that's been enough to really surprise and unravel the immediate Russian drive around those cities. That's what's working. Yeah, indeed. Well, there is one weapon that the Ukraine wants that the West has not provided so far, and those are fighter jets, specifically the Soviet-era MiG fighter jets that Poland says they're happy to transfer to Ukraine for use by their pilots, possibly through Ramstein Air Base there in Germany. How big is the lack of those Polish MiGs playing into this war, do you think? I wish those MiGs were in Ukraine right now, you know, for two reasons. One, because Zelensky requested them, and the MiGs would help Ukraine fly a bit more. Um, the other reason, honestly, is because Poland deserves it. Poland is under incredible pressure with the border with Ukraine and Belarus and taking in, you know, now two million refugees. So I think Poland deserved to get its MiGs transferred and to be backfilled with newer F-16 and F-35 fighters from the U.S. You know, the Pentagon's point was that they thought Ukraine was doing okay with other types of weapons. All right, maybe that's a fair military judgment. But I think just for morale purposes alone, those MiGs should have gone to Zelensky. We're speaking today with Fox News contributor Dr. Rebecca Grant. She is an expert on a number of things, but specifically aerospace is your big area of expertise. And so you know a lot about these Polish MiGs. And why in particular is this aircraft able to give Ukraine some sort of advantage if they were able to get it? The key is that uh, Ukraine's Air Force already operates the MiG-29. Now, these MiGs are old, okay? Right. Poland had upgraded them. So that would have given them more aircraft and an ability perhaps to do some air-to-ground attack. You see those pictures when the Javelins attack a Russian tank column on the highway? Well, imagine what a really capable Air Force could do to that. So with those MiG-29s, Ukraine would have had more option to attack the Russian forces as they tried to move around and encircle cities. Still very dangerous, but they might have been able to make more progress. Instead, what they're doing now is relying just on a ground-to-ground attack. Today, we're on the air with an expert on the air, Dr. Rebecca Grant, Fox News contributor and president of Iris Independent Research, a small women-owned business specializing in defense and aerospace research and consulting for corporate and government clients. She also appears with us quite often. We'll have more coming up on the other side of this. Early on in this war, Russian President Vladimir Putin advised the Russian forces to be on high nuclear alert. That kind of rhetoric toned down a little bit. But again, this war has dragged on 27 days, as you mentioned there in the open. And now again, we're hearing about nuclear weapons. Now, obviously, God forbid anything like that ever happens. But do you think there is a possibility in this situation here where Ukraine has really embarrassed Russia on a world stage, a large country not able to take over a small country? They've got about 
a tenth of the military Ukraine does than Russia. Do you think there's any possibility that Putin might just change his strategy and, and bring nuclear weapons into the fight here? I expect Putin to threaten with all his terror weapons. That's the hypersonic missiles, cyber attack, chemical weapons, and maybe even tactical nuclear weapons. But the point of those threats is to try to keep the U.S. and NATO backed off and try to make sure that we don't send more military assistance to Ukraine. It's not in Putin's interest to use a nuclear weapon in Ukraine. Hey, remember, he says he's trying to liberate the place. He thinks it's part of Russia. So no reason to use a tactical nuclear weapon there or chemical weapons. But I expect to see a lot of threats. NATO and the U.S. are going to have to have a really stiff backbone to resist that and face him down. Yeah, that's interesting that Putin says Ukraine's part of Russia. You wouldn't think so, by the way. He's treated the city of Mariupol. It's a southern port city that Russia wanted really badly. They've been unable to capture it. This is a big city, hundreds of thousands of people in there. Many can't get out. And the latest reports that were Mariupol is completely destroyed at this point. So are you seeing a possible shift in strategy by Putin if he can't take Ukraine to destroy it? Because that's what he's done with this city. Sadly, we've seen him do that in other places like Grozny and Aleppo. So he has shifted to using firepower to try to put enough pressure on the Zelensky government to collapse. You know, we know Ukraine is not going to give in to that. But I expect to see more firepower aimed at those cities, unfortunately. And that's because the maneuver has stalled. There was a really important, let me mention, little engagement that took place west of Kiev today when the Ukraine's forces pushed back the Russians from a little town called Makariv. It's important because it's about a mile from the big highway that goes out to the west. It's a key supply route from western Ukraine into Kiev. And for Ukraine to be able to counterattack there shows you that Russian forces are really stopped on the ground. Sadly, that does mean we're going to see probably more firepower. That is Putin's style. It's brutal. It's a war crime. But I expect to see more of it. Yeah, indeed. Let's talk about the city of Kiev, because obviously Russia hasn't been able to take it. You just said Ukrainian forces are now repelling the Russians from some of the suburbs outside. Some of the thought here was that Russia was going to slowly encircle the capital city and then do an all-out assault and try and invade and take the capital. They haven't been able to do that. And I think a lot of that is due to the leadership of the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky. He's been very public, especially on social media, with the fact that he's still there in the capital working every day. How do you feel about how this wartime president, he's been thrust into this, has performed during what is a war? Zelensky is an absolute hero. And yes, Putin wanted to catch Zelensky, take down the Zelensky government or encircle Kiev, and he hasn't been able to do any of that. So as long as Zelensky and his government is working there in Kiev, that is, that is victory for Ukraine. Vital, though, that Ukraine's armed forces keep up their counterattacks so that the Russians can't encircle the city. So far, what they haven't been able to do is to move south and swing down past the major highway and cut back up into Kiev. They have not been able to do that, and that is a really significant victory for Ukraine. If we see Kiev hold, I think that's going to be very important. Now, I will say, though, that we see a lot of emphasis on Mariupol, and it could be that Russia has paused trying to get Mariupol under control to link to that eastern region before they try again over uh, towards Kiev. All the more reason why we've got to continue to support Ukraine with the best military supplies 
and military intelligence that we can feed into them as they fight Russia. We have got to see Putin defeated in Russia. It's important to world security. Yeah, indeed. And especially that part of the world, a very volatile area. We don't need to talk about what happened in the 1940s there. And this is really the largest European war or attack or military incursion, whatever you want to call it, since World War II. Now, in that conflict, it involved multiple countries. I was wondering if this might as well. We haven't talked a lot about Belarus, but this could be a major storyline here. This is a country that is friendly to Putin's government. And we saw Russian soldiers amassing in Belarus before they went into the Ukraine. Do you think that country might step into the fold here and help out Russia? And could that be enough to tip the scales in Putin's favor? Hard to say. Belarus has already helped by letting Russia swing down through their territory. That's how Russia was able to start that march on Kyiv. So Belarus is basically part of Russia at this point as far as this war is concerned. Um, and, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, this is, this is such a large conflict. And the one thing that Putin really pays attention to right now is what is happening to his Russian forces on the ground. The Pentagon told us today they think that they're down to about 90 percent of what went in, which tells us there really is some serious attrition. I believe the one thing that will make Putin get serious about talks is if he sees the detailed destruction of these invading Russian forces. That's what's going to get his attention. Fox News contributor Dr. Rebecca Grant, you know a lot about what's going on there. and We appreciate your insight specifically when it comes to the weaponry, how it's used, but also where Putin is in all this ever-changing battle, which lingers on. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking some time to join us here on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine podcast. Thank you and stand with Ukraine. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.